we're back. Uh, we had a great time uh, recording our discussion on favourite watch cases, um, as well as uh, Gégé Lecoutre. Uh, this time, we've got more of our favourite uh, watch shops from Instagram, and we're going to talk about a brand that we both own, Tudor, and why we love them. Um, we'll also be speaking about another aspect uh, of what makes a watch, the crown. So, Zach, over to you, uh, your wrist check of today. Perfect. Um, well, the, whip, the watch that I have on today is my Casio. Um, a watch that I got from Amazon for under 30 quid, so definitely a bargain to say the least. Um, also quite a handy watch to wear in the gym and day-to-day, easy, legible whilst working out. So that's what I have on. What about you, Tim? And to take to London and not get mugged, so uh, yeah, <laughs> well done. Uh, yeah. For, for me, uh, I've got my uh, Moonswatch Mission to Mars, which I absolutely love on at the moment. I, I did have my Seamaster uh, 300, my new one, but I, I was trying to take the, the bracelet off, uh, and then I have, and then I can't put it back on again. So in my in my grumpiness, I then just switched to the Mission to Mars, but uh, it's still a beautiful watch. Um, so, um, you know, should we move on to what we're lusting after uh, this week? So over to you, Zach. Sure thing. Um, so what I'm lusting over this week, um, Cartier Panther. Um, I've been looking at a Cartier Panther. Yeah, a watch that most considered to be a lady's watch, actually. But that's far from the truth, as they can be enjoyed by anyone, in my opinion. Um, the Panther has always been a great proposition when looking for a watch, especially the vintage models. The interlock steel bracelet and iconic Cartier Square watch case has always been desirable for me. I did have some reservations sometime back um, when when I saw the watch, but the throwbacks from Keith Richards wearing his Cartier Panther definitely settled my mind. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, that is really cool. Um, you know, when these famous people can pull it off, then you think, oh, so can I. But uh, no, it's a beautiful watch. It, it, it looks quite like the the Santos thin as well. You know, I know, I know it's a, I know this one's a ladies' watch, but it does hark back to to other signature watches that Cartier have. But no, it's it's very very beautiful. How about how about yourself? Ah, uh, well, for me, um, it's going to be the Abercrombie and Fitch uh, Sea Farrier. So, this is a lovely looking piece. Um, I mean, it seems like a really strange collab- collaboration in modern times between uh, Hoya uh, and an Abercrombie, but it sort of oozes that sort of West Coast cool of America, sort of from the nineteen fifties. Uh, you know, the war is over. You know, everything's now really, really upbeat. Um, and this one is a reference twenty four forty four. Um, and I'm not going to bore everyone with, with the huge story. You can find it elsewhere. But the story goes, uh, you know, a young Jack Hoyer sort of worked at the uh, New York flagship store when he was younger. Um, and he thought he was later involved in the development of the watch. So you know, people assume that it harks back from, from the time there. Um, but I mean, it's just an absolutely stunning watch. Um, you know, the highlight is, is the subdial. Um, it shows off like high and low tide, um, which again is unique. And it's got these bright contrasting greens and yellows. Uh, in fact, it's sort of like got a, a teal green and it permeates throughout the whole of the watch. Um, you've got it on the five minute indices and then you've got the 30 minute subdials. Um, and actually, they, they oddly sort of, um, look like a, a nuclear symbol. Uh, so it's sort of like really, really does stand out. Um, and on a different note, um, it, it sort of it, it, the loomed elements are more like a turquoise green than a teal green uh, on the minute hand and the hour hand. And it just pops out and stands out and really completes the watch. Um, there are other variants of this uh, sort of watch, uh, and it's it's it switch up from green to sort of cool baby blues. Um, I prefer the greens, but I wouldn't say no to the blue one either. Um, there's also sort of three uh, pushers, uh, you know, on the side, and they look really solid, and they hark back to those sort of old school racing days. Again, it screams Hoya, you know, with the stop clocks. 
Um, and also the printing of the words seafarer uh, almost looks akin to Omega's Seamaster, and it sort of sits under an arching A and F logo. Uh, and again, it keeps the dial symmetrical. You know, I love symmetrical dials. Uh, and then just finally, um, you know, the price is often flagged when discussing the seafarer. I mean, you know, recent sort of sales have fetched some crazy, crazy money, and I mean crazy. Um, I'm not going to mention the price on here, but check them out online because seeing is believing. Then, then sort of the final point on this one actually is to shout out to uh, Maple Leaf Watches. He recently found one and obviously put it on Instagram. Um, but his showcase of that, it really prompt me, prompted me to revisit the watch and sort of fall in love with it. So um, just absolutely beautiful there. What do you think about it? I sent you, I sent you a, a photo of it uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah, to be honest, before you sent it over, I wasn't too familiar with the watch. But after looking at it, I can see why it fetch um, certain prices that you haven't mentioned. So yeah, really brilliant watch, <laughs> I'd say. section of the show uh, and it's our favorite sort of instagrams of the week uh, and i think zach you are up first so what is your favorite insta so my favorite insta we actually came from an insta page called monaco legend group um, and they had the post of a really magnificent looking rolex moon phase reference 6062 um, it's a moon phase calendar from the 1950s the post actually came up on my explore page, um, which most watches do that I'm kind of obsessed with, uh, newly obsessed with. Um, and actually was a post from last September. So not new to this week, but still um, nonetheless a great watch. The gorgeous moon phase calendar um, is one of approximately 150 examples, making it extremely rare. Um, I've always had an intrigue um, when it comes to all yellow gold vintage watches for some reason, uh, maybe most popular and most obvious is the the yellow gold day dates but i kind of feel like all yellow gold vintage watches never really disappoint um for me it's the perfect watch with a with a great patina uh, and i love the little red tip which is a nice little quirky character on the third hand which adds a uniqueness um, to the watch i also like how the date window is at the center of the dial rather than the more familiar right side um, when it comes to Rolex as most know. Um, and how about yourself? What have you looked at this week? Yeah, so I keep having three, don't I? And I can't whittle it down. So uh, listeners, uh, you'll have to bear with me, but I'll, I'll go through it as quickly as I can. So um, shout out to Analog Ovo. Um, and they have a stone dial um, from Bal Mercier. Uh, it's a mosaic opal uh, and the reference is 75F. Uh, it's an object of undoubted beauty. Um, it, again, you have to seeing is believing, but it's almost like a, a shattered stained glass window, but pieced back together again. Um, and it's yet somehow complete. Um, I, I keep talking about doing an episode on stone dials. And I think we're definitely going to have to be a part of that. I mean, I sent it to you, Zach. I mean, what did you think of that? Oh, I thought it was an insane watch. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Um, just that design language. Of, like you said, the shattered stained glass is something I haven't seen before and, and something that they've also executed very well. Yeah, I mean, again, people need to go back into their back catalogue um, because I, I love vintage, uh, you know, as I keep telling listeners, and, and modern watches have their place, but 
there's so much amazing stuff that they just need to go back into um, and start reproducing, but with, with you know, modern mechanics. Um, and they'll be on to a winner and they're selling more watches. Um, so I'll go to the other two. So again, shout out to uh, Ruby Hours. Um, so they had a Cartier must tank. Uh, but what was unique about it was it had like a rainbow hue on it um, from the aging process of the metal. Uh, and the best way to describe it is if someone poured petrol all over it by accident or dare I say by design. A really neat find. Um, but also to capture it and share it with the world. Um, you know, it's why I can't stop scrolling uh, on Instagram for these, you know, these pieces. And finally, for me, um, you know, mention to uh, watch with curiosity um, for his uh, super macros of the moon swatch mission to Mars. Um, like my wrist check today, uh, it's the sharpest I've ever seen on Instagram. So clean. Uh, really highlighted the contrasting colours um, of the Mars, as well as those finer details which mirror, you know, dare I say, the quality of its elder statesman, the Speedmaster. Um, such as the indented subdials when you really get into the macros. Um, and it puts my own macros to shame. So I've got to try harder, haven't I, Zach? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know nothing about photography, but like you mentioned, that photo was truly um, top quality. And um, it's definitely motivated me to look for my own moon swatch myself. And a macro lens as well. <laughs> yeah, and a macro lens also. <laughs> So welcome back everyone to, to the next uh, section of the show. Um, we talked about we talked about uh, crowns uh, and here we are. So it's the thing we sort of most touch on a watch, especially if we've got a manual one uh, or for those with too many watches in your collection, uh, which is starting to become me. Um, and you can't wind them up all the time. Um, it is, like I said, the humble watch crown. Uh, there's some pretty iconic varieties out there. Um, you know, but when when taking watch shots on Insta, they often really go overlooked. People prefer the dials, don't they? But for me, what kicked this whole thing off um, was the IWC Big Pilot uh, and and what they call the Giant Onion. Um, a shout out to, to Ken Shinerick Triple One Nine from Instagram. He took a photo a while back um, of sort of three of these sort of giant onions sort of laid out in a triangle and it just made for this stunning composition and it made me try and repeat it with my own iwc pilot chronograph my bb58 and my rs big crown pointer date um you know go over to watch word to see it um you know i definitely couldn't get up to his standard but you know you might as well try and emulate um but a lot of crowns also get tied up in uh, logo design too you know my, my pointer date is almost this sort of almost looks like a Roman coin, um, you know, design and sort of the coloration in the bronze. Um, I think it's, a re- it's just really cool to photograph. Tudor, you know, has the rose, Omega, self-explanatory with the symbol. And of course, Rolex's eponymous crown. Um, but Zach, I'm going to give you the floor because um, there is one crown that obviously, um, you know, is the king of all of them. So um, it's, it's a certain Cartier. So over to you. Definitely. Um, so the Cartier crown, the, the Cobochon, um that's the crown we're talking about so cartier say the bri- they bridge the gap between jewelry and watchmaking naturally we would agree um the blue catches the light so well however photographing them well for instagram can be rather elusive and a hard task natural light works best but sometimes it's better to appreciate its beauty in natural fleeting moments um trying to preserve it on camera simply just isn't enough I mean, um, what's your thoughts, Tim, on the Cartier? 
Yeah, crowd. I mean, I, I don't buy into watches just being uh, utilitarian. Um, you know, they've got to have substance and flair, not necessarily over the top. You know, we talk about, you know, diamond encrusted pieces. You know, they're far too blingy, aren't they? Uh, and subtlety goes a long way. Um, you know, for this podcast, I actually read up uh, on a few hit pieces on why uh, the cabochons are actually horrible. Um, but I totally disagree. Uh, I thought these were completely unnecessary. Um, you know, it's a proud defining feature. It's a trademark, a symbol. Um, and if you don't like it, there's always the, the basculon, isn't there? So, <laughs> you know, there we go. Um, and I actually think, you know, sticking with the, you know, the Cartier sort of phrase, it's, it's the gap between jewellery and watchmaking. It's, it's acceptable man's jewellery. Um, you know, I've seen red examples. Um, it, they may have been specially commissioned pieces. Um, and that's certainly another way to stand out from within the Cartier crowd. Um, but I think they could actually make different colour uh, cabochons. Um, you know, they ventured into different coloured dials for the new musks. Um, you know, listeners, what would you like to see? Um, I think a, a, a bottle green colour would be would be really fun. Um, you know, Cartiers aren't known to be conservative at all. Um, so I think they should certainly take up this idea. Zach, what about you? Red, green, purple, any other cabochon colours you'd like to see on them? Definitely. I mean, other than blue, which we commonly see, I think colours like red, red and green um, in particular, um, for me, would be quite interesting to see. You know, you kind of mentioned how they bridged a the gap from watches to jewellery. And within different jewellery, uh, in Cartier jewellery, you do see these colours. So why not with the crowns? No, exactly. Um, I, I'm going to sneak purple back in there as well. I think purple would be quite cool. It's close to blue, but uh, purple would be nice. But green, definitely my favourite. Um, throwing it back to you, Zach, uh, on another uh, another crown that um, has taken our eye uh, with the brand Panerai. Yeah, definitely. So um, Panerai Crown Guard, um, what we like about it, big, strong, muscular, it certainly speaks to the masculine, that's for sure. Again, it's iconic. Um, one can tell it instantly, like what's on your wrist. It doesn't speak aesthetically in the same way as a Cartier, but more industrial nature makes me recall an old deep sea diving helmet. And these watches, after all, were for the Italian Navy. Um, Tim, you have a particular favourite crown. Tell our listeners. Yeah, so um, vintage, as you'd expect, um, Omega Constellation. So in the 1950s, obviously, that's when they kicked off the, the brand. Um, but the crown is almost like a nut and bolt. Um, and you see some old ones where, you know, it, it's gone missing um, and they had to put just a random Omega crown on it. But if you can get an original one, um, you know, it's it's just stunning. Um, it's very tactile. And again, dare I say manly on such a delicate dress watch. And for me, it's another grail watch for me. Uh, but I'm going to have to stop buying watches because my wife will kill me. But uh, <laughs> in the future, in the fullness of time, I, uh, I will hopefully own one. They might mean I have to uh, sell something. Uh, but there we go. Um, I mean, again, shout out to, to our listeners. You know, what are your favourite crowns and why? Do you agree? Do you not agree? Um, you know, we want to we want to make that conversation uh, conversation flow. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're in the final part of our show, uh, and we are going to talk about Tudor. So it's a revitalised brand. Um, people that get to know me know that I love David Beckham. Uh, you know, as a child, wanted to wanted to play like him, wanted to be him, wanted to have his long hair, wanted to have his short hair. Um, <laughs> so, so with Beckham, you know, and the Predator boots as well, exceptional, exceptional. We've still got a pair. Um, but David Beckham, you know, you know, I was obsessed with him growing up. 
um, you know, but getting someone so big in the sporting world in Europe and dare I say the US sort of really elevates the brand. You could argue Beckham could have any pick of any brand, um, you know, could have gone to Rolex, but no, he, he picked Tudor. Um, and again, him doing that just really elevated it. And then you've obviously got the original Black Bay um, that kickstarted the, the Renaissance. Um, and then came the Black Bay 58. And, and Zach, you know, you own one, I own one. So very quickly, tell me what made you buy one? Um, definitely. Um, well, with the Black Bay, I originally purchased, purchased after selling my Cartier Santos, um, the reference 1564. Uh, I was looking for a watch to celebrate my hard work. Um, at the media company that I used to work for. Um, and yeah, I was looking for, initially I was looking for a big pilot. Um, but then whilst in Watches of Switzerland, as most know, um, some salespeople are kinder than the others, kind of strayed away um, and got speaking to someone working at the Tudor counter. And um, yeah, used my commissions for a new uh, Black Bay 58, which I love uh, and still wear, to, still wear to this day. For me... It's just in real life beauty, you know, in the flesh, it is a near perfect watch. And I know people say there isn't a perfect watch, but this gets so damn close. Um, again, for me, if you put 10 watches on the table, I think the Black Bay 58 would stand out. It's, it's, it's that good. Um, and that, that's why I had to buy one. Um, yes, lots of people have them, but there's no shame in owning one. Um, you've got to own one in your life if you are serious about watches. Um, we're going to talk about the snowflake. So, Zach, snowflake, yeah. you're a big fan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the snowflake um, as I love the uniqueness. Um, and the lollipop hand, to me, carries more of a common watch design language, um, which isn't bad, but a snowflake definitely offers something different. Um, I'm actually a sucker for the old 70s Tudor subs, um, oh, some yes. may know. Um, so that's probably part of the reason why I'm such a big fan of uh, the snow, the snowflake. Um, how about you, Tom? Yeah, we'll talk about those subs in a minute. But uh, okay, hand on heart, I initially didn't like it. Um, I prefer the lollipops, as you know, which is why I got the Seamaster 300. And obviously, we're going to talk about the Black Bay 54 as well coming up. But, you know, as with a lot of things in life, sometimes things grow on you. Um, and I did end up falling in love with it. Um, still prefer the lollipop, not going to lie. Um, but everyone, you know, each to their own, people have favorites. Um, Talk about price points. Is that price? Yeah, the price is actually a, it's a very common thing spoken about um, when it comes to watches. Um, so speaking about the Tudor Black Bay, the price point, um, I'd say is very fair for what you receive. Um, it's, honest to, it's honest to say that the Tudor represents great value for money when you're looking in that kind of range, um, in that kind of price range. Although it's not cheap, it's definitely a great piece to add to, to any collection. And, um, yeah, affordable for most, I'd say. Well, I'd like yeah. to think so. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It's, it's, it's realistically attainable, you know, even as a one-watch collection or, you know, a two-part, you know, paired with a, with a more dressy watch. Yes, it's a luxury watch, but it's not silly money, like a Rolex Submariner. And I actually, again, think it looks a lot better than one of those. Maybe that is sacrilege. I don't know, but I've said it now. Um, you know, I want more people to own watches. Um, and I think one way of doing that is entering the market with a Black Bay 58. Um, yeah, but that's just me. I'm saying it. Um, yeah. Um, Loom. The Loom is a nice addition and always has me glancing down whenever I'm going through a tunnel um, or at night, out at night. I definitely look down, um, yeah, every now and then. And it's always good, always nice to see anyway, the pop of color um, on the Loom. How about you, Tim? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've got your your Friday night loom battles on Instagram. Tudor wins those hands down, um, whether it's the FXD, which we'll touch on, or the Black 58. Um, and it links to the uh, legibility day or night. Um, you know, watch this. You want to, you know, I know I said I care about aesthetics, but you want to read the time. <laughs> you know, no fuss, really quick. And a lot of the Tudor range, that's what you can do. Um, so again, you know, the loom adds to that, which is why I think it's great. Um, okay, quick fire round. Size, Zach, over to you. Okay, size. So the Black Bay 58, to me, is the perfect size. Um, and that's definitely someone with a smaller wrist. Um, sitting at around 39 millimetres. A size that doesn't swallow the wrist, um, but still noticeably larger than the classic uh, common 36 millimetre um, used for vintage pieces. Um, how about you, Tim? What do you think about the size of the Tudor yeah, Black Bay? I think the 58 fits nearly all wrists. Um and I, I'm going to coin a phrase. I think it's the Cinderella slipper of watches. It fits. It fits. Absolutely fits. I love it so much. Um, we're going to then sort of pivot a bit to the Pelagos and the FXD. So I'm really drawn to the FXD, in particular the, the Marine Nationale version. Uh, so that's obviously French French Navy, uh, which was released a few years ago. Um, that blue is awesome in the flesh uh and uh i don't necessarily like this phrase but it is a wrist shot monster there are so many people you know snapping it and putting it on instagram and i'm just drawn in um it pops so well the loom on it is crazy it's like this aqua blue um again haven't seen anything like it before um and dare i say i could even be pushed into swapping my black 58 for an fxd one day um zach would you ever do that or would you hold on to your 58 am i am i being crazy <laughs> well i mean um after speaking to you and i know you're a big fan of the fxd and um seeing photos that you show me you know i'm very close to maybe making that decision um yeah it's a truly stunning watch in, in my opinion also um black bay 54 um so the question is could you make the 58 any better um maybe you can um obviously they dropped the snowflake controversially you know zach is going to say boo isn't he um yeah. they bring in the lollipop um and obviously that has my vote um i was disappointed that that red triangle on the bezel of the 58 was dropped um i do love the triangle and a draw of that red um i mean it, i think it is that is as iconic as the snowflake in many ways that triangle um, I haven't tried it on, um, but I would like to. Zach, have you tried the the fifty four on and, and seen it in the flesh? Because I certainly haven't. I actually haven't seen it in the flesh. Um, yeah, or tried it on, but I'd love to get my hands on one just to see and to make comparisons in person. Yeah, we'll have to go and do it together, perhaps, and then and not buy one because that would be dangerous, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. And I'm also going to bring about something else, uh, and it's linked to the crowns. So I think that the crown. Uh, colored tube that they had on the original black bay um was a really neat feature uh, and again made the watch pop even more um and just add another aspect to the watch and i think they were in black and red uh, and i think it'd be cool to see some of those come back um perhaps even like in a dark blue or even an edgier color
now switch it away from the modern watches uh, of Tudor and talk about the vintage pieces. Um, there's a huge back catalogue for, uh, for Tudor. You know, Zach obviously mentioned the Submariner, and we'll get on that in a minute. Um, but for me, the one that really stands out is, is the Oyster Prince. Um, you know, they have some with a roulette day date. And again, for those that have been listening in, you know, the roulette day date is something I'm really liking at the moment on watches. Um, and vintage is always, um, you know, super value for money compared to modern incarnations. You know, they've always got the, the brand logo of the rose on the dial itself, not the crown, which I really do love. And I think I would take that rose over the shield any day. Uh, Zach, rose or shield? Uh, which one do you prefer? Yeah, I definitely use the rose, um, like I've seen in some of the vintage pieces, the rose for me also. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, the Submariner, um, you know, some really great pieces. Uh, my concern is it's far too similar to its older brother. You know, you've got the Mercedes, our hand, the lollipop second hand, and often the Rolex crown was used. Um, and, they, and they don't really have the differentiator Tudor does now and does so well. Um, you know, I'm not a huge Rolex sort of aficionado, so it doesn't really bother me. But if you want a high-quality vintage dive watch uh, for a good price, you can't really go wrong with the Tudor Submariner. But Zach, floor is yours to talk about the Submariner. You love them, don't you? Yeah. Um, I really love the the Submariners. Um, I was looking at one recently, a, a watch show at the Londoner. Um, I know you kind of mentioned that they're quite similar to its older brother, which is definitely true. But I kind of feel like with the snowflake um, and, uh, yeah, the look of the Dow, I feel like, it's slightly different. Um, but yeah, I've always just loved it. I don't know why I've always just loved it. And also I kind of feel like at a price that's slightly less than the its older brother um, for the years, for those certain years as well. I definitely feel like it's a, it's a valid option. Yeah, definitely different on price. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Final point on Tudor, the brand itself. So is it one dimensional or is it home run perfection? Um, in some ways, Tudor turns out very similar watches now. And I really don't mean that as a criticism because I'm not here to put uh, watch brands down. I'm definitely here to, you know, uh, you know, big them up. Um, you know, but when you know these new watches are that good looking, you know, why take the risk, which has seen the brand rise up again? Um, I mean, does the FXD look that much different to the Black Bay 58? Not really, in my view. Um, but then, you know, why am I talking about desiring after an FXD when I own a Black Bay 58? You know, <laughs> I'd say, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, uh, you know, Tudor, but make small tweaks, perhaps in the colours. Uh, I think they're onto a winner here. I mean, Zach, what do you make of all of this? Have I got it all backwards? Um, should Tudor mm-hmm. depart from what they're doing um, or should mm-hmm. they just steady as she goes? No, I, def- I definitely agree. I kind of feel like there are watches that are a bit similar, but then that's also okay because, um, you know, it's also it's also good to stick with what works, like why change it? But then also I definitely agree with colours. Um, I think the colours are pretty safe um, when it comes to all the models. It would be nice to see some a variety of colours um, introduced to some of their newer models um, and hopefully that will probably, you know, popularise the brand even more. Yeah, green dial would be quite good. I know, I know there's like a Harrods, but uh, you know, a different green dial would be quite cool. Wonderful. So that is a wrap. We went down the rabbit hole of watch crowns. Get me that green cabochon on a tank now. Uh, and then we enjoyed that sort of deeper dive into one of the, the hottest brands right now in Tudor uh, and how they can make small changes to stay at the top of desirability and make it more accessible. Bring back the rose symbol, make more colored crown tubes, more dial colors, and dare I say, more coloured triangles. 
Um, I mean, we're also going to um, set up a specific Timekeepers Insta page, uh, and we'd welcome your comments on the episodes, respond to what you like, Snowflake Lollipop, for example, and questions to ask us, uh, and, and we'll answer in the next episodes. Um, and in that next episode, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a brand which is probably my favourite, and that is Oris, uh, and I think that's going to be a big pleasure um, you know, the big crown uh, pointed date I have is my go-to watch. Uh, I'm determined to get Zach uh, to add an Oris to his collection. Um, so tell us what you think he should check out from the uh, Oris range and buy. And then we're going to pivot a bit and look at watch straps uh, with a focus on the leather strap uh, and, um, and which ones we both like. So keep listening, check out our new Insta page and follow Source Watches, which is Zach, and follow Watchword, which is me, uh, Tim. And finally, thanks for keeping time with us. Over and out. Thank you.